Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of MMA After Hours. I'm Michael Carlisle, joined as always by Micah Frankel. Micah, how are you, man? Man, it's like back-to-back Christmases. Is that even possible? Well, you can speak more to this, but it's like eight days for you, right? (laughs) So, I mean, two two, two weekends, right? Two weekends worth of fun. That's how I am. How much fun was UFC Fight Night? Holloway versus Rodriguez. I don't even got to get into the specifics right away, but six straight knockouts and another fight of the year contender. I'm on cloud nine, man. Yeah, you know, in a way, it kind of overshadows how great that fight was, the fact that it came a week after Gaethje and and, and Michael Chandler. But, yeah, there's no denying that, that Holloway and Rodriguez, man, they just went at it, and it was absolutely phenomenal. And let's wonder, can we ponder for a second real quick? Sure. Could Rodriguez maybe have looked better if he hadn't been sidelined for the last two years? Two years away. Two years on the couch. Two years hampered with injuries. I think there might have been about with COVID. A lot of things going against that young man. And he comes off the couch and goes five rounds with Max Holloway, one of the greatest featherweights of all time, who was obviously still... In his prime, the early onslaught from Holloway, somebody that we know about his volume, but he really was a slow starter for a while there in his career. He seems to have solved those problems and came out early, bringing it to Rodriguez. I thought this was going to be an early night, one way or the other, as Holloway starts to overwhelm Rodriguez, and Rodriguez then draws up that Mexican warrior spirit and is landing some haymakers of counters. When that head kick landed on Holloway, I thought, we're looking at, here it is. Here is the moment. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is going to be what none of us expected. A five-round war was a lot closer to what I expected, and we got that. Yeah, you know, this whole card was really entertaining, especially since it flew a bit under the radar the the week after a pay-per-view and all that. But if I counted correctly, five fights, counting the prelims, First round stoppages, you had another two that were stopped in the second round. Uh, They were all exciting. Then you cap it off with that main event. I really enjoyed this card. Oh, no, the card itself, flying under the radar, some of these fight nights, people you haven't heard of. Daun Jung is on a 15-fight win streak. Think about this, guys. You start out your career, two losses and a draw. Somebody's probably having a conversation with you about, is this really the job for you? 
15 wins later, and we're talking about a light heavyweight contender from China with devastating elbows. Rafael Alves, my gosh, was that guillotine nasty. Nearly popped the mohawk off Mark DeCasey. Sean Woodson, it's it's scary to see a skeleton hit that hard and that accurately. An incredible frame at 145 pounds. You call the man a skeleton. Dude, he's long. He's lengthy. I don't know if there's much meat on them bones. Andrea Lee, that uppercut yeah. beating. This is the expectations that we saw from her and had for her coming from the LFA. And this is the first time she's taken her game to that level. It's devastating work. And Joel Alvarez, I really want to get behind him. But when you are sick, Three trying to make 155 and you miss weight. All the good also gets reminded by that bad. You miss weight, dude. Can you really continue to compete in this weight class? Maybe 170 just seems a lot more likely, but man, elbows. Elbows were great on them prelims. No doubt about it. Then you get to the main card and... Uh, that gets off to an exciting start, a nice win for Song Yudong. Uh, he gets the second round stoppage, and uh, things just kept going from there. His power. Yeah. Once Yudong committed to landing the big right hand in the second round, followed up with the head kick, another right hand. Arce, who defines himself by his defense, trying to work behind his jab, was putting the jab out there, was not able to land it. The ceiling for Yadong just keeps going up. We knew he was a talented prospect, this young 23-year-old coming from China. His wrestling was what really had put him on the map, and now the striking is really evolving. Yeah, the power for him. And look, he's a small guy. He's a bantamweight. And yes, Micah, I just said Yadong is small. I apologize. I set you up for that, man. I, I so set you up for that. I apologize. I'm never gonna stop laughing. I'm sorry, Mike. I did not bring, mean to bring up your small Yadong it's here on the show. <laughs> in all in all seriousness, though, uh, you, you're right uh, about the power he packed in those punches. Um, I, I like the way he looked on Saturday night. So, yes, not only did I just say you had a small Yudong, I also said I liked the way Yudong looked on Saturday night. We we, we really got to grow up, man. This is like middle school. What the hell's wrong with us? I don't know. We were doing this segment, and I just refer to him as Song. Yeah, for, fair enough. For, for, right. Yeah, so for the rest of the show, great. Song. song. Showed his devastating power and his evolved striking game. Let me wipe the tears away and talk about some chaos. Williams, wow. Also talk about the power. Eating the calf kicks early. Miguel Baeza, he looked defensively phenomenal until his hands dropped off of the flurry. They doubled up calf kicks. It looked like he got off balance, kind of put his hands out to recalibrate himself. And Chaos Williams was punching at that moment. And you can't let Chaos Williams punch because he's got devastating power. So that's two in a row for Williams. And unfortunately for Baeza, that's two in a row in the other direction. Yeah. Uh, Nice win for uh, Felicia Spencer on Saturday night. Man, elbows. Elbows. She just devastated Felicia Letson. Just 
on the fence, in the clinch, dirty boxing, the elbows, the knees, then taking it to the ground, getting the TKO. That was the way to end a skid. No doubt about it. Speaking of uh, skids, short nights, uh, quick work uh, of Ben Rothwell. Uh, dude, you know, didn't make it out of the first round. I didn't think he looked good at all. Uh, all the credit in the world to uh, Delima. I thought he looked very, very impressive. Two calf kicks and a big right hand. I was surprised that Rothwell was still standing after yeah. those first three strikes. That's when DeLima went into kill mode. And then Herb Dean, one of our spotlight topics of the weekend. Is he going to stop it? Is he not going to stop? Did he just touch him? Did he stop it? Maybe he didn't stop it. Oh, there goes Rothwell. Wait, DeLima, did you just stop it looking at him? And Dean, like, yeah, I guess I stopped it. And we all feel like it was the right call. Well, everybody except for Ben Rothwell, you know, he right. lost half his money. He, he's like, no, man, I was fine. They're always fine. They're always fine. It was probably the right call if there wasn't a fence there. I think the right hand probably crumbles Rothwell anyway. He kind of fell into that takedown. But Herb Dean, not a great night. No, and and we will talk about Herb Dean uh, coming up here in, in just a little bit because everybody else is. And <laughs> look, we're not ones to miss out on an opportunity to to jump on the bandwagon, right? So we'll, we'll definitely... Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. I know we started off the show talking about Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez, but... Uh, that was five rounds of war. That was five rounds of excitement. Uh, I could go on and on with the cliches. If you saw it, you already know what I'm talking about. Those two guys just beat the hell out of each other. It's like 262 to 229 in landed strikes. Yeah. Ridiculous numbers, ridiculous pace. Ridiculous the way that Holloway was able to fight through the devastating calf kicks in the second round really started to assert himself in the third and fourth rounds. His combinations looking several times like he was going to have Rodriguez wilting. A deep head and arm choke. A deep guillotine choke. Got to mount. You saw the wrestling come out of Holloway. And that almost needs to be another badge of honor for Rodriguez. How many guys have forced Holloway into using his wrestling yeah. that spoke volumes then you had a fifth round where rodriguez knew he was down man he got a hurricane kick spinning kicks also close to landing going for broke didn't get it but i thought he pressed the pace enough to win that fifth round heck of a fight and if it was a different year maybe fight of the year no doubt about it. And, you know, a couple things coming out of this fight. First of all, you know, Dana White said post-fight, um, even in the loss, Yair Rodriguez did nothing to hurt himself in that one. Well, he did. He took a lot of punishment. But if, uh, from a trajectory standpoint, and you brought up something interesting, and I think maybe it got overlooked by some people. It had been, what, two years since Rodriguez had, had fought. If he had been a little more active, that fight could very well have gone a completely different way. As it was, he still put on a phenomenal performance. I can't wait to see what they do with him next. Holloway, you got to assume, title shot? Are they going to make him fight again? I'm surprised that we had such agreement from the judges first off. Right. 
Because I'll tell you, those first two rounds were close. That fifth round was Rodriguez. And actually, if you do look at the scorecards, the 48-47s, the two rounds that Rodriguez wins, one judge goes 1-5, one judge goes 2-5. So you're telling me he won three rounds? This is that... Colby Covington theory from last weekend. Yeah. You're telling me Rodriguez won three rounds. Obviously, Holloway won the fight, landed the more impactful strikes, did more damage. I was just surprised that the judges all agreed. Now, where do we go from here? Holloway versus Conor McGregor was being heavily broadcasted by the commentary team, by the analysts. Everybody seemed really into that idea, except for Dana White. Now, would that be an intriguing idea? Oh, yeah, sign me up for it. When I hear that the Apex experience was up by 40% the price yeah. for Max Holloway. I'm thinking, you're telling me that Blessed is a star. Yeah. Blessed is a big-time star. ABC level needed to have him on there to bring the UFC over kind of star. And Conor McGregor is another huge star. So why wouldn't we put together these two mega stars? Because Dana White is in for the money. That struck me as surprising because we always want the biggest fight possible with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think I might have the answer. And you're going to, based on what you just said, disagree with me here. And this is what I was going to ask you. But we joke you could put Conor McGregor in the octagon with you or I, and it's going to be a top five drawing pay-per-view all time for UFC. Is Max Holloway, and I want to be careful here because I don't want to disrespect Max Holloway in any way at all. Is he a big enough star to hold up his end of the deal from a fight promotional standpoint? Not, not inside the octagon, but from a promotional standpoint, leading up to the fight, the buildup and all that, get the interest. Would there be enough interest in a Max Holloway-Conor McGregor fight? And, and by the way, I think Holloway would win. So, I, again, I don't want to sound like I'm shortchanging Max Holloway here at all. 
I'm just talking from a casual fan standpoint. Is that a fight Dana feels like he could really sell versus uh, McGregor in, in a, another Diaz fight or, or almost anybody else on the card? I think you can make the ticket prices more expensive, and I think that depending on the month you do it, mm-hmm. what league is in session, the leagues that aren't in section, you're getting all those black tie VIP UFC-loving athletes that are out there lining up in droves, forking over mansions yeah. and fortunes to get ringside for that fight. I think that the fans would go nuts for it. I think that we're talking about a 20,000-seat stadium. Easily, there are 20,000 people going nuts for that fight. There's easily a million point five. I'm honestly wondering if it could be the biggest pay-per-view in UFC history because we've talked about Connor's going to put up these numbers with no name. What if it is a dangerous name like Max Holloway, where they have a history, where they're starting to attack each other and sell it on social media? I think it could work. Is it Masvidal? I don't know, but we've even said it. That's not a winnable fight for Masvidal. Masvidal seems to be a bit over his peak of fame at the moment. Diaz was... Famous as he is, and as crazy as and loyal as his cult following is, has his mainstream appeal taken a hit? We didn't really hear about the huge pay-per-view numbers from his last outing. So right. I'm getting more and more. Am I am I making some sense here? No, no, the absolutely. Like Holloway even hits at a different level than those guys right now. Okay, let me try this another way then. Let's say everybody's on board and they believe, yes, Holloway's a big enough name. He's a big enough star, not talent inside the outcome, but star to hold up his end of the deal. If you're Dana White, do you feel like without saying it, without making it overtly obvious, whatever Connor's next fight is when, when he comes back from that injury, he needs to get a win and you need to make sure that it's a favorable matchup for Connor? You have hit the nail right on the head. I I was probably going to get copyright infringement if I would have said anything else. I'm like, you, you've rang the bell. Let's just say it. you've rang the bell there on the stock market. You have hit the needle. It is all right there. Tony Ferguson, Conor McGregor is probably the fight yep. we are looking at because Jorge Masvidal has enough boxing left that he might beat Conor. Nate Conor is a close fight. We've already seen that. Conor has to win. They have to say him so they have to give him a opponent on the way out who also is entitled and does deserve a big payday but is a very very easily winnable fight that's why max is too scary max is too tough and we have to protect connor we're not protecting or pulling any punches here i'm calling it like it is connor's scared to take on a real test right now because if he does he's probably going to lose and at some point his value does go down after all these l's it is also interesting, though, to see the commitment that Dana White has to Max Holloway being a featherweight. This part also struck me as interesting. He's 29 years old. Mm-hmm. He's been in the octagon forever. First fighter to cross 3,000 landed strikes. Also has absorbed Frankie Edgar levels of punishment. Weight cut is brutal. We've already talked about it. Max at six foot six one is a big 45er. He's walking around well over 170. It feels like an inevitability that he's going to be at 150.
55. But the UFC is resound that Volkanovsky versus Holloway is the direction we're going. And I feel like it's a weird slope to go down because it's 2 nothing. And if you really believe that Max won the first, the second fight and he's the better fighter, well, what do we get from him retaining the title? We then get the fourth fight, which if he wins, we then get the fifth fight. And we now have a division that's just never moving forward because how can anybody else get in the mix? And anyway, by forcing this trilogy fight that's unnecessary, if Max wins, how can you deny Vulcan his rematch? And how can you deny that we have to settle the five-game series if Max evens the series? What do we do then with a rest of a thriving division? We have Arnold Allen, Josh Emmett. You have contenders starting to fight their way back towards the top. A Giga Chikotse, who's the hottest name in the division. And these guys are all going to stay stagnant because you're not willing to let this matchup go. Yeah. Uh, something I want to talk about, Micah, and we kind of skipped over it earlier talking about the prelims, but it was kind of by design because in a roundabout way, it'll lead us into our Herb Dean discussion. And that's the uh, the um, Cynthia Calvillo-Andrea Lee fight. And, you know, we've talked so much. Look, this comes up every now and again, but, but over the last several weeks, we've talked about it a lot. The abuse fighters take when, when the fight's over, but they won't give up. The, the corner won't step in. The referees are letting them go at it. Uh, Calvillo, but between the second and third round, quit on the stool. And honestly, I thought that was 100% the right move. I think that's something that we have been talking about. More fighters should do, more corners should do. I thought she also took a lot of unnecessary abuse on social media for that. You can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. And I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about us. I'm just talking about fans in general. Oh, my goodness, you're getting your butt kicked. No when to say when. Live to fight another day. And then when a fighter actually does it, you can't turn around and criticize them, can you? Hypocrite society. Twitter <laughs> society. It's hashtag MMA Twitter. Those guys are vicious. Let's be honest about it. It was the right call. Oh, yeah. It was the right call. Aspen Lads corner probably should have stopped her fight. Uh, that Beni St. Denis fight should have been stopped. I'm here of the thought that I know it's entertainment, and I know it's a fight, and it's a sport. It's not a fight to the death. It's not a personal grudge match or war. It is a athletic competition for entertainment purposes. In saying that... TKO stoppages where the fighter never hits the ground. It's fine. They're getting overwhelmed. They're getting slaughtered against the cage. Jump in and save the fighter. That's all good. Stopping in between rounds, it's fine. Now, is it surprising? Was I surprised when they came back and said the fight was over? Yeah, because you just don't see it every day. Right. But there's nothing wrong with it. And to call somebody out on social media, it's wrong. There's a certain level of courage and bravery anyway it takes to get in that cage. Some nights you just don't have it. By and the way, there's also a certain level of courage and bravery to make that move because you know you're at least in some circles, maybe not by your peers, your fellow fighters, maybe not by the commentators, but the the big mouth, you know, fan base, the social media, there's going to be a certain percentage of them that that you're going to get ridiculed and ripped apart for. Um, but yeah, if you've got no chance to win the fight w w without some out of nowhere knockout and, and the way that fight was going, 
look, anything can happen. It probably wasn't going to happen. It, but my point is it, it takes a lot of courage to make that move that she did. And, you know, look, you want to see fighters go at it when they're able to, but there's also a time to walk away, live to fight another day. If you're a history buff and like wars and stuff, even the greatest generals of all time, sometimes you retreat, regroup and, and, you know, reset and, and, you know, start the battle again. I saw nothing wrong with what she did. There is no reason to catch flack for living to fight another day. There's no, there's no reason to catch flack for calling off a fight that you're already losing. You're already beat up. We don't know if there was an injury somewhere, a broken hand, a broken foot. Who knows if there's an eye injury, you're already beaten. Sometimes it's all right to wave the white flag move on and fight, live to fight another day. You said it perfectly. Yeah, I got no problems with it. I was surprised um, at the back. But you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have been surprised. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know surprised. what? Yeah, maybe maybe that's on me. You're right, because anybody who's surprised by anything that happens on social media, good or bad, you're probably fooling yourself. So maybe that's a little bit shame on me. But uh, I did want to get your thoughts on that because that is something we've talked about, the, the abuse that, that fighters have taken and the corner not throwing in the towel, not you know the, the fighters not having the good sense to say, all right, th- this one just ain't going to happen. Let's call it. I'll continue to be outspoken with, while they may cook their books more than a French five-course meal, the stoppage, the ways the stoppages materialize in one championship, they feel a lot less vicious than what we see in the North American promotions or even what we see from the uh, Russian promotions. There's mm-hmm. just a lot more. If a fighter's overwhelmed, hey, you're in checkmate. Cool, we're good. It's it's a sport. We're moving on. It's, it's not a death grudge match. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. All right, that does lead us in in a roundabout way to, to Herb Dean, who came under fire this past weekend. Look, this is, and I like Herb Dean, but likes aside, this is nothing new. Uh, it's no secret that 
Herb at times has been criticized for being too quick to step in and more recently has been criticized for being slow to step in. Uh, again, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Uh, ben Roth, uh, Ben Rothwell, like you mentioned earlier, was a bit upset at, at Herb's stoppage uh, of his fight, but a um, number of stories on the internet about is Herb Dean a liability? Uh, you don't have to put forth a lot of effort to, to find many videos of Herb Dean stoppages or the lack thereof. So let's let's just go ahead and and jump in, Micah. I'll ask you the question: Is Herb Dean a liability inside the octagon? This dude's getting a little gun shy or hot potato feet. I don't know. It looks like at points he's like on hot coals, about ready to jump in. He's halfway trusting his instincts and not. Yeah. I'm literally, as we're talking, relooking at the stoppage from Saturday, and he is basically tackling Delina, and then he's not. When Rothwell starts to kind of fight forward, he backs off, and it really does give this weird optic. Were you about to let this fight continue? It, it looked weird. I don't know if he's a liability, but maybe he's just been around too long. I don't that's, know. That's what I was going to ask you, because I, I wonder if, and look, I don't know Herb Dean's relationship with any fighters, but... When you've been around, when you've been officiating as long as he has, whether it's friends, whether it's buddy-buddy, whether it's just someone you see, someone who you've caught a lot of their fights, you, there is a certain good or bad emotional attachment you, you get to, to some people, whether you either like them or you don't like them. I wonder if trying to do his job, trying not to be criticized for stopping something too soon, not wanting to be criticized for letting something go too long, not wanting to stop something for you know for a guy who you know he wants to see if he can recover if all this is going on if it's something mental and maybe the fact that he has been around as long as he has is now working to his detriment well you went with a slightly different angle than I went with it my okay. having been around so long is that he's seen so much you've seen guys hurt come back throw one yeah. so as we're looking at that Rothwell moment in particular, where he's stuck against the cage and you're seeing the big punches unload. Oh, God. There was a Czech Congo Pat Berry fight a long time ago that we'll never forget. And this is the outlier. Dead to rights, against the cage, getting overwhelmed. Ben Rothwell gets knocked out, falls down in a weird manner, halfway awake, gets hit back to consciousness, starts grappling. Czech Congo... Hit in conscious, out of conscious, back in, and cleans Pat Barry's clock. You've seen this scenario play out in so many different ways. And if you're Herb Dean, at that moment, I guess you're waiting for the guy to go all the way out, especially when we're talking about heavyweights, because we have seen this happen before. One shot changes an entire fight, and somehow when a guy does eat a big haymaker, sometimes he's able to just walk right through it. The game is that unpredictable, and I'm wondering if he's just seen too many scenarios and there's too many memories, past situations in his head. Is he in? Is he out? 
Possibly. And, you know, the problem with that, and, you know, I mentioned it's not that hard to go on social media and, and find clips of Herb Dean's greatest hits. And, and I, <laughs> I use that term loosely. Fails. At the same time, it's also not that hard to go on social media and find clips of what you were just talking about. These miraculous comebacks. Um, looks like a fighter's done. It's over. It's about to be stopped. And they come back. The problem is, while it's easy to find those clips, when you actually take those instances and compare them to all the times where that doesn't happen. And the guy gets folded like a scorpion. Right. Those things are still relatively rare. So yeah, I mean, look, I sympathize. Look, no matter the sport, being a referee, being an umpire is the most thankless job in the world because no matter what call you make, roughly half the people watching are going to be mad at you. Not saying that's, that that's the only reason for Herb Dean's problems here, but I, I, I'm sympathetic. Uh, he wants to do a good job. He wants to get it right. But while trying to do what's right to protect a fighter, you also don't want to take away their chance to come back and, and get a win. So I, I get it. But at the same time, I think in all sports, but, but especially in MMA, especially in UFC, if you're an official, you've got to be prepared to make a decision. And whether it turns out later on to be right or wrong, you've got to be comfortable making that decision and, and being able to, to to live with it and, and not second guess yourself, knowing that in the moment you did what you thought was right. And it does seem like right now, Herb Dean, again, a, a legend in the business. I'm, I'm, I'm trying really hard not to be overly critical to, to look at it from both sides. Oh, no, let it go. But it does seem like right now it, he's having a, a bit of a, crisis of faith if you will as it relates to should i stop it should i let him go oh let me run over here like i'm gonna stop it i'll even put my hand on the fighter but nah, let's let him go a little longer we've bring up herb dean's name a lot here today and unfortunately that means there's an issue because i was talking to yeah. somebody the other day and they said man you remember that nami Yunus way lee fight a couple weeks ago i'm like of, of course of course he's like do you remember who refereed that? And I had to go to the internet and look it up. It, it's Mark Goddard. We see him in the octagon all the time now. Mm-hmm. I had to look it up, though, to figure to figure that out. Look up a photo, see he was in the octagon. The person I was talking to was like, exactly, that was a great job. We don't even know who did it. That's how not part of the fight he was. And it's a problem that we are now recognizing and remembering what fights Herb Dean is officiating. I would agree with you on that, but... And off the top of my head, I can't remember the fight, but I recall within the last few weeks, there was a fight that Goddard was officiating and a lot of people were upset with the stoppage or the lack thereof. Um, you know, even John McCarthy, who I, you know, I, I think most people recognize as the greatest referee of all time in MMA. Hell, he, he helped write the rules. There were times as well throughout his career that, as a younger referee later in his career as an older referee, where there would be fights where people would be quite, it does happen happens to the best of them. But to your point, and I do have to agree with you, seems like it happens an awful lot with Herb Dean to be fair though. If you actually pay attention to cards, especially your bigger cards, he's also doing a lot more fights than most of the other referees as well. So he's in there more too. Yeah. This was the other thought that I heard from a different, 
echelon of MMA. Mm-hmm. Going to an LFA fight a couple weeks ago where it felt like the commentary, I think Alan Jabwin and um, Ron Crook were about to get up and start yelling cage slide at the ref, go all Dan Hardy because the beating was going on for a prolonged amount of time and they made a point on commentary to administer the referee to make their feelings apparent and then you had to think about it. Well, that's a feeder league to the UFC. They're not getting exactly the UFC refs every weekend. Right. They're getting who's available. So if we're seeing this at the highest levels, be afraid of what you're going to see on the regional levels. That's the proof in the pudding there that the best are having issues knowing when to stop a fight. It just gets worse as we trickle down. And that's another part of it as well. Really good top-notch MMA officials are hard to find. Don't believe me. Uh, I think it was Mark Goddard. Maybe it was Belch. I'm pretty sure it was Goddard. Did the the Bellator card in Ireland on Friday and was in New York on Saturday for for the the UFC pay-per-view a a few weeks back. Man flew across the damn ocean and and did big-time cards on back-to-back nights. Look, I'm sure he loves the business. My guess is he didn't do it just for the love of the business. He did it because he was needed because, you know, again, all due respect, the the upper echelon, the type of officials UFC wants, the type of officials Bellator wants, there aren't a whole lot of them. That's why you see so many of them uh, on one card one night, one card the next. But it's one thing to go from Omaha to Vegas or the Mohegan Sun down to Florida on consecutive days. It's another thing to go from Ireland to, to across the ocean, but back to the U.S. Uh, on back-to-back days. You got Goddard working hard. I've even seen in the recent couple events, I don't know if it's official, but it looks like uh, uh, Dan Mergliata is working the bare-knuckle scene now. He has done the last several bare-knuckle events. I even know that... Um, Raul Parata, who is licensed uh, Florida, Arizona, throughout the South, New Mexico. He is the lead official now for Combate America. You see Jason Herzog a lot with yeah. Bellator and the UFC, uh, Mike Beltran. So you can see these lead promotions understand who the best are and Herb Dean as we're picking on him you have to realize what I'm saying he's still among the elite officials that we have in the sport for sure it's kind of like um NFL and he's retired now but but you remember Ed Hockley right he was the, does the, not the, remember the exact guns, like, come on right the the the, the referee you know with with his biceps bulging out of his his, his uh, the, the sleeves of his referee outfit and all that but if if your team was playing and Ed Hockley wasn't the referee for that game you felt like you had subpar officials because you know whether it was completely accurate or not between the guns and the attention the announcers would, would give Hockley and all uh, the belief was he's the cream of the crop. He's the best of the best. Um, part of it is because you see the same guys on so many events, it, it, bringing this back to, to MMA. But the other side of that is there's a reason you see those guys on all the same, those same guys on all the events. Because again, the, the depth of, of the officials right now who, who are ready to consistently, you know, call fights at, at that level are few and far between. Now, it's also a catch-22 because how do you get better at your job 
at your sport, whatever, but by doing it over and over. And at some point in time, look, you can certainly cut your teeth and all that on the regional promotions, the smaller promotions, but at some point in time, you've also got to be able to, to call matches with bigger fighters as well. But at the same time, if, if you're Bellator, if you're UFC, you can't just throw anybody in there because they are young coming uh, up and coming referee and you want them to get experience too. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's hard. How do you rectify the situation, getting more guys talented and, and ready without jeopardizing any fighter safety as well? One thing that we hope to see, and I've hoped to see this continue, if you watch the LFA cards when they've been in California the last two weeks, one of the officials, former UFC title challenger, Frank Trigg. That, that's a yeah, great way very to start. True. Yeah. Former fighters who want to be active still in the community. I know here locally, Joe Coca, uh, we're in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He's a former competitor. He's an official. Mm -hmm. There are several athletes like that. And seeing those guys transition over, people that have been in the fire, people that recognize the positions, that have been competitive, whether it's in jiu-jitsu or kickboxing, and they understand the scenarios that they're seeing, that only helps. And especially even in the judging aspect, Aspect, that could only help if they recognize and understand what they're seeing. That's a really good point. Let, let me ask you this, and, and I don't know that you're going to have the answer, but typically when we see fighters stay around in the game after they retire, it's either as commentators, um, ambassadors for promotions, they open up gyms, they become coaches, there are other ways you can stay involved in the fight game and have a positive impact. And like you just mentioned, get into officiating. Now, again, look, maybe not everybody's cut out for it. And maybe deep down you feel like, well, you know, if I could get in there and move around and be everywhere I needed to be as an official, I could probably still be in there fighting. Maybe that plays into it as well. But there are other ways you can contribute to the sport after you step away, other than those things we just mentioned. And one of those could be a, a, as a, a referee or some other type of uh, official, you know, helping teach um, young up and coming uh, officials, things like that. Yeah, but it's not about the betterment of the sport, getting it right. It's about you, right? It's about the love <laughs> of money. Yeah. Come on, it pays a lot more to work for ESPN, to work for the UFC. To be a coach, to, work, to have a gym. Yeah. To get that 10% off the chop than it does yeah. to get a couple hundred from that long day of work for being there with the state commission, not to mention having to go on long car trips, long rides, staying at the less than stellar amenity hotels, because again, you're on a state budget and you guys are just trying to get by. Those are hard hours, long days, thankless positions. They're not the ones that get the glitz and the glamour on social media. So, you can feel from a lot of those former fighters' perspectives, it's not going to be worth it. You're right. Hey, uh, real quick, let's talk about Bellator this past Ooh. week. They were in Las Vegas East. They were in New York South, the new fight mecca of America, Hollywood, Florida. <laughs> and seriously, there have been a lot of damn events in Hollywood, Florida over the last year. Really have yeah. been. I mean, PFL, boxing, they've both been there a lot. Now yeah. you get Bellator, and you got to see the spectacle and spectacular that is a cyborg destruction. And it was destruction. Uh, Sinead Kavanaugh, uh, cyborg, made quick work of her 
Want to get into what's next for Cyborg in a second. But first, and this may not take long, no longer than the fight lasted, but what were your thoughts on Chris Cyborg's performance on uh, the other night, on Friday night? Cyborg came out to make a statement. She went into attack mode at the from the get-go. Let that right hand go. 92 seconds. I'm not even going to waste that much time. It was a one-sided murder, a showcase, as it was expected to be. And I think that Cyborg made the statement she intended to in front of the intended audience looking right at special guest attendant Kayla Harrison. Yeah, and we'll get to her in one second. I'm curious your thoughts on this. After Cyborg lost to uh, Amanda Nunes, and maybe this was her plan all along, but with the move to Bellator, and look, if we're being honest, the competition level has dropped a bit. But with the way she's dominated in Bellator since her arrival there, for a lot of fans, does that erase how the UFC run ended? Do, do you think most people think of Cyborg like pre-Amanda Nunez knockout? Or, or do you think that when you think of Cyborg, all right, yeah, she's still knocking people out in Bellator, but Amanda Nunez handed her her ass. Man, she's a really shiny silver medal. That, that's what Cyborg okay. is. Okay. That, that's what it is. It's it's Amanda Nunez put you on your ass and you left. And here has been my gripe, and I'm going to continue to gripe about it with Bellator. You have continued. Biacom has failed Bellator. Let's be honest. Scott Croker works his ass off for that promotion. He is a great martial arts promoter, but with no help from the big company as they continue to dwindle down your audience... It is hard to make an impact when the number of homes and the number of screens that you're on continues to dwindle down being on Showtime. I just don't see that cyborg main event having the same kind of internet presence it did a couple years ago. I had no intention of going here, but since you brought it up, Viacom has failed Bellator. I think you're 100% right. It's harder than ever to find Bellator nowadays. I also don't think for a company that has as much money as Viacom does, and again, look, I get it, it's, you know, especially now we're in the throes of a pandemic. Who knows when things are going to get back to normal. But with as much money as they have, I don't think they've put the necessary financial resources into Bellator either. It's almost like, all right, this is our toy. We were really excited to get it, but we've got all these other toys as well that, that we like more. Um and look, it's also hard to go out and pluck the big-time free agents when UFC locks them all up. And for a lot of fighters, UFC is where you want to be, even if Bellator theoretically could pay you more money. So there's that as well. But, you know, my God. And look, I've got Showtime, so it ain't that hard for me to find Bellator when I want to watch it. Not everybody has Showtime. Every move Bellator has made from... TV network to TV network to stream. It's like it gets harder and harder and harder to find it for people to access it and watch it when it should be the reverse, especially when the company who owns you owns all the networks they're putting you on and they keep moving you to smaller networks that are in fewer and fewer homes. It's like they're doing everything bass backwards. And you're right. I don't think that's Scott Coker's fault. I think he does as good a job as he can trying to polish up that turd and try to turn everything into a positive as far. And look, 
he's made his fair share of mistakes as well. The, some of the fighters, maybe he did snatch up after UFC was done with them, things like that. But Viacom has really done Bellator the way I see it. Not many favors. The move to CBS Sports. We knew that was not the grand end-all, be-all. Right. But can you tell me what the heck is on CBS Sports when there's not college football or basketball? Uh, Bull riding. See, this is where they needed to make combat sports their cornerstone. I agree. They already have karate combat. They already have combate. You have Bellator under the umbrella. Not to mention you have Showtime Boxing. Now, I may be out of the box thinking here because I know it's Showtime. And you want to put all your premium content, your cyborg fight, your world title fights on Showtime. Why not have Bellator Fight Nights on CBS Sports, a avenue to promote, to sell those pay-per-views on a channel that more people had. Even though CBS Sports was still a step down from Paramount, it's actually in three times as many homes as Showtime. You could have used it to facilitate. You could have used it to facilitate all those companies and then put the premium content on Showtime rather than just leave CBS Sports, as we said, as a bull riding channel that doesn't even communicate. You could have done so much more with your combat sports content on that channel to then make it not so awkward to promote the Showtime fights. Obviously, this will not happen as long as Bellator is owned by Viacom. But if we're just talking about eyeballs on the product and more exposure, would... Would be, and look, there is something to be said for being on Showtime. You, you mentioned Showtime boxing and all that. Unfortunately, I think they do a very poor job of of having synergy and and promoting each other and all that. But if all things are being equal, would Bellator be better off not owned by Viacom from the standpoint of we can get our product on ESPN Plus, we can get our well, maybe not Fight Pass, but ESPN Plus, maybe other avenues. Because I, I, look, I'm sure the Viacom money they do get is really nice, and it's entirely possible they don't survive the pandemic without it. Yeah, but again, it gets so damn hard to to, to get eyeballs on the product for cash. Now, again, I'm not talking hardcore fans here because. If you love Bellator, if you didn't have Showtime, you probably went out and got it. Or you figured out ways to to watch it. But it's hard to grow the brand when it's so hard for casual fans or possibly new fans to find you. And then we hit the the brand grower. And that's what we're talking about right now. Chris Cyborg, Kayla Harrison. Yep. And if you're Scott Croker, you are going... To Viacom, you are begging and you are crawling on your hands and knees through glass and barbed wire just to show up there bleeding to see to show them how serious you are. That you guys have to open up that pocketbook as wide as it is to make this fight happen on CBS. Yes, not only not CBS Sportsnet, but on CBS. CBS. Look, uh, serious question, and off the top of my head. Other than there'll be a couple of weeks here coming up where there'll be a a Saturday night college football game. There may even be an NFL playoff game. But most Saturday nights, what the hell is CBS running that's going to draw more than a special Bellator card with with, with, uh, Chris Cyborg, Kayla Harrison main event or co-main event, and you stack it with a couple of your other um, stars that you have there? Look, I'm not saying you got to put them on CBS every weekend 
or, or even once a month, but but once a quarter for something like this, you, you, you can't throw Bellator a bone and, and put him on CBS. I think that makes too much sense. Scott Croker got Elite XC and Cambo on CBS. Yes. Scott Croker got Gegard Mousasi and Strike Force on CBS. The move is eventually to mine your P's and Q's and get, again get some of your big stars on CBS. It appears that whatever the ending spreadsheets are at the end of the year, Viacom is happy with the profit that Bellator makes and they have little incentive to make it a competing product with the UFC. So they keep chugging along as Scott Croker has to dig and tear to make minor strides. Kayla Harrison was at the event. Um, she's talked about wanting to fight Cyborg. Cyborg has talked about wanting to fight Kayla Harrison. It certainly makes a lot of sense. It certainly seems like we could be headed in that direction. Let's look at this from a, another standpoint, though. If you're Viacom, if you're Bellator, all right, we really want to make this fight. But if we're going to bring Kayla Harrison in, we're, we're going to have to throw out money. Um, whether it's years or number of fights, you're going to have to commit to her for long term. Regardless of the outcome, you have Cyborg and Kayla Harrison, hypothetically. Then what? What are you doing with Cyborg if she wins after that? What are you doing with Kayla Harrison after that if she wins? So my point is, if you're going to make that investment, which I think they should, you can't commit that much money, that much time, that many number of fights just to get the one fight. You've got to have, if not a concrete plan, at least a general idea of where you want to go. Point being, you've got to bolster that division, which would probably require more money so are you really just talking about forking out the money for Kayla Harrison or are you talking about more of an overall investment in the product? So like you're going somewhere that we would go before a major acquisition like Cyborg when all they did to bolster the division was bringing I mean, Cyborg. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Kat Zingano said semi-location. We may even get that Zingano fight before the Kayla Harrison uh, free agency deal is over. You could get Cyborg versus Zingano. Where does the division go? That's been the question for the entire featherweight division. Funny you bring it up. There's a Nico Montano hanging out in free agency right now. Maybe she's another piece that you bring in. Mm -hmm. If there were enough girls to make a legit featherweight division, somebody would do it. That's the other scary part. You're talking about building a division. Kayla Harrison's having to fight a Taylor Gordado who was fighting an Invicta at Bantamweight because you can't even find lightweights. You can't find featherweights. They're all still flyweights and Bantamweights outside of a few and far between fighters. One more question on this and then we'll move on. And I realize this isn't the mentality of a fighter, so so this probably isn't going through her head, but it's probably going through her agent's head, her lawyer's head, and all that. If you're Kayla Harrison, is whatever Bellator is willing to give you, is it worth it knowing that if you fight Cyborg and lose, you're going to, at least in the short term, have a big fall? Are you better off getting a million dollars every year from PFL and being a big, big fish in a small pond versus making the move to Bellator fighting, especially knowing that, all right, even if you win the cyborg fight, then what? So, so I mean, you know, is she better off staying in PFL? 
well, if you're the PFL, what are you without her? She's the face of the promotion. You're right. She was the main eventer on the championship night. Kayla Harrison was brought in as a broadcaster to work with the World Series of Fighting before they transformed into the PFL to groom her and get her ready for her MMA career. They have invested a lot into Kayla Harrison. I believe she's not giving any hometown discount, but if you are the PFL, it is a priority to not just rely on format, but to have familiar faces. You can't lose Ray Cooper, and you can't lose Kayla Harrison. I would agree with you. All right, real quick, anything else on the uh, the, the Bellator card that uh, stood out to you? Hey, Aaron Pico is about ready. He's almost there. It's an interesting yeah. perspective for where the featherweight division okay. goes. Let me ask you this real quick, and, and, and didn't mean to jump in and, and cut you short there, but Pico was a guy they were high on the moment they signed him. I think we can all agree with the benefit of hindsight. They probably rushed him a little too much too soon. We've seen this happen before in, in, in Bellator and in other companies. Um, Sage Northcutt comes to mind in, in UFC. Northcutt never really recovered. And look, maybe he just wasn't the type of guy mentally, the type of talent that Aaron Pico is. But Pico regrouped, um, came to Albuquerque, is training at, at Jackson Wink, and has really got himself back on the right track and has looked incredibly good. And all that hype when Bellator brought Pico in, you're starting to see why everybody was so excited about him. And it does look like he's ready to make that next step. Talent and potential. That's all that you heard about. Aaron Pico debut on pay-per-view. They were paying him while he was still in high school to start training too much too soon. Because by this point, with what Bellator put in, you expected multiple world title defenses, no blemishes. He's had three losses. After throwing him in the deep end the first day in the pool with no floaties, they pulled him back to the shallow end. They put every floaty and life jacket you could think of around him. He had to do the work, and he had to learn how to swim, and he has done that terrifically. And this fight was the first time that we saw Aaron Pico really pass over the rope and start to get into some deeper water where adults are kind of having to tread a little bit, and he beat a real high caliber of competition. We're talking about Bellator competition. Right. He probably sits there in the top five right now, a fight or two away from a world title shot. Can I ask you a question? What's up? When I made the Sage Northcutt comparison, not necessarily comparing Pico to, to Northcutt, but the situations and too much too soon and being pushed on. Why did you make that face? Oh, the weird face that came was because of the way that they were handled afterwards, is because Bellator wrapped Aaron Pico in a blanket. Right. Told him they how were much committed. They loved him, wanted to build him, and tempered his competition yeah. way back down. Well, the UFC said, Welcome to the grindhouse. If you're here, you yeah. go through the grindhouse. You're not getting an easy fight because this is the UFC. The only guy that we tempered things back for was CM Punk because he came with a couple million fans and we even let him just get beat up and torn out. That's the difference between 
between Bellator and the UFC. Really, Bellator has done a great job of grooming fighters, taking them and molding them and guiding their careers, a la Cody Law, Roman Ferrarlo, and Steve Mowry on the undercard. All unbeaten prospects, looking great, maybe real competitors. Man, they've been beating up a bunch of tin cans. The UFC doesn't bring in tin cans. They bring in other guys just as good as you. All right, Micah, you've been sitting under the Michael Carlisle learning tree the last several weeks. As we transition to this next topic, I want to see if you know what to do here. Former pro wrestler Alberto Del Rio, also former MMA fighter and maybe still an MMA fighter, maybe a future pro wrestler again. Who the hell knows? Maybe about to go to prison. Who knows? But Alberto Del Rio is suing Combate Americas over unpaid, what he says anyway is unpaid money, from his fight a couple of years ago against Tito Ortiz. <laughs> Was I supposed to say the, something? Am I surprised? The, you? This, this is where you say something along the lines of Alberto Del Rio. This sounds like something we would talk about on our other podcast, oh! Pro Wrestling After Hours, which you can also get on the After Hours Podcast Network, wherever you get podcasts, like where you get this fine podcast. That's what you were supposed to say. Oh, see, I, I missed that one. <laughs> that's all see, right. See, this is like a miscommunication. I, you, that, that's I, I okay, like Aaron little, Pico. Yeah. I, I'm not going to sage north cut you. I'm going to wrap you up. I'm going to bring you back to the shallow end. I'm going to give you the floaties and um, bring in a, a, a Red Cross swimming instructor. I'm going to teach you. See, I thought I was going to go more with like a Mac <laughs> Jones, Bill Belichick reference, but you can hear more uh, about yeah. them on Talking Pro oh! Football right here on the After Hours podcast network see i may fumble but i will recover you fumbled but you didn't cam newton it you dove on that ball you got it nobody touched shit you picked it up you scooped it and you ran it in for the touchdown Man, good job talk about that did you not see patrick queen the linebacker for the ravens just look at the ball look at the yeah. ball look at the ball and i've never seen somebody so distraught that they didn't fall on the ball fall on the ball, ball yeah. if you're a young football player are we talking about MMA, though? We were. Uh, let me reset it real quick. Alberto Del Rio claims Combates owes him, what, $250,000 in what he says is unpaid money from uh, his fight against Tito Ortiz. He probably doesn't deserve it. He might get it in court. I don't know. What, what do you make of that? Look, we don't talk a lot of uh, Combates here. We probably should every now and again. This seems like a good a time as any. Well, what do you make of this, what appears to be a messy situation? I wouldn't be surprised if they threw out those numbers, never having any intention to actually generate that kind of revenue and throwing them out, I mean, in conversation, not actually pen to paper. Because if there is pen to paper, well, then there might actually be some legal reasoning behind the argument and possible lead towards settlement. This is probably going to go nowhere, but I wouldn't be surprised that Combate threw out those numbers, kind of promised those numbers, and I wouldn't be surprised if Alberto never sees a penny. Serious question. Do you think Combates made $250,000 off that fight? No, I think they told the fighters they thought they were yeah. going to make millions. No, no, no. I, 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 I got they that. They going to make two. Yeah. yeah, I got no, that. No, they did not make it. No, 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 no. Well, I don't know now because I see on Twitter how, how they spank UFC and Bellator in the rankings every in the ratings every week. They have 730,000 free viewers in Mexico. They have a lot of eyes on the product who don't pay to watch it that still have rabbit ears, I guess. I don't. 
rabbit ears. Wow. Let's stop talking about this before their evil president comes and attacks us. I'm good without You that. know what? Cobra well, Combate. By, 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 by the way, that, that's how I know how great Combates is doing in the ratings because I do follow Campbell on Twitter. I get a kick out of him. But you're right. You probably don't want to be on the bad side of him. You'll wind up being owed money for one thing. But uh, allegedly, don't want to get sued either. Allegedly. But yeah, you probably don't want to be, be on his bad side, huh? One night, eight men, USA versus Mexico, $100,000, Copa Combate. Yeah, they're doing that. That's coming up again. And uh, I believe, like we said, CBS Sports is where you can find them or uh, Paramount Plus or yeah. Uh, Univision. Yeah, Univision. Univision. That's where everybody watches it for free. Yep, exactly. Um, how many installments do you think uh, the, the plan is to, to pay that hundred grand? Like, <laughs> like 18, 20 installments? We know a Copa Combate winner. And you know that great big honking alluring mega trophy that be careful because you're gonna out him but yes they send you a mini version i have it in my office i'm not kidding it's in his office actually but it's like a paperweight dude it's like a a tinfoil wrap gold paperweight that they said do do you see behind you there the little mini chicago cubs world series championship trophy there is it something along those lines three times that size at least wow so it's a little bit bigger but it's still about one one hundredth of the trophy they wheel out to make it look like oh my god how are we getting this back through customs don't worry we'll take care of that for you well if you give the the big trophy to the winner what the hell are you going to give the next winner micah come on man (laughs) i kind of thought they'd make another i know i was wondering if it was filled with chocolate that's what our whole intention was when he won it i'll be honest top five biggest disappointments as an mma fan and covering this sport and sports in general was when I found out I was not going to get to see the big trophy. Dude, <laughs> Because they kept the damn thing. How we were talking about how we were going to display it at his house. What kind of barbecue needed to happen around that thing. And to hear that, yeah, what we got to take the Comic-Con. You can see the photos on the Cage Minds Combat Sports News Facebook page. It's not as epic as we hoped. Nah. Combate has done some intriguing things. $100,000, 10 easy installments after you fight nine more times. It's right there. It's right there for you, just like winning the Ultimate Fighter. It's $100,000 somehow. I bet you Dana cuts him a check for that hundred thousand. I, I I bet that's not paid in, in installments. I don't know. Yeah, you really think he cuts a check? I I think he wants to cut off a finger with the check. Well, easy now. Look, we've already pissed off one powerful, and I use that term loosely. <laughs> MMA executive today. Let's. Do you think I said let's that cut our losses here? Scott Coker. Yeah, we're talking about Scott Coker. Oh, okay. All right. But uh, talking about Crazy Campbell. But uh, be that as it may. All right, Micah, let's wrap this up talking about one of your favorites. And look, I think we'll have fun with this because this might be his lot in life now. We talked earlier about if you're UFC, do you really want to give Conor McGregor Max Holloway in his first fight back from injury, his being McGregor, you want to give him somebody that that he's going to go out there and win. You need to get Conor a win, Um, you know, revive some of that mystique. Connor may have found his guy. Connor loves to go on social media. He loves to talk smack. Um, we saw him doing it uh, last week or the week before with Jorge Masvidal. And again, in, in that scenario, I, I would like Connor more so than, than Masvidal. But he may have found the perfect future opponent for himself once he's healthy. Probably not in the octagon, but celebrity boxing. 
whatever Triller's celebrity MMA thing is, triad, diamond, whatever it is, horseshoe. What is it? I'm scared to know that Frank Mir is going to get in a triangle to basically phone booth box, a former right. professional boxing. It's like tri fights. Right. Yeah. Where you, you can't, there's no takedowns, but you can hold and, and, and all clinch. that. You can clinch. Yeah. You can clinch, but this will be cur- perfect for Connor and his new foil. Chael Sonnen. Have you seen those guys going back on social media, back and forth? It's hilarious. You mean somebody called somebody a, a little rich weirdo? <laughs> And then somebody came back with, well, you're a poor little weirdo or, or something to, to that effect. Dude, Connor can smack talk with the best of them. I don't know that you want to get in a war of, uh, war of words with Chael Sonnen because very few people are going to win that one. Uh, Chael, he might not be undefeated in the old war of words, but his record is damn near spotless. It's not too late. To stay off my radar, just put down the shot glass of awful bottom shot whiskey, turn off your phone, back out of the big boy saloon, nice and slow. <laughs> I, I, I'm taking Chael Sonnen in a battle of wits with Conor McGregor, only because Chael has already taken enough L's. The guy's a criminal, himself a white collar. He's already tested positive for steroids. He's already hit the depths of bottom and of lick pond scum that Conor McGregor is still trying to get through. Yeah. You know what? I, I'm going to say this uh, uh, about Chell Sonny. But by the way, very nice guy, but very giving of his time. I have no desire whatsoever to ever see Chell Sonnen in an octagon, in a cage, in a ring, or quite honestly, even on mats in his underground submission. However, I would pay top dollar to see Chael Sonnen take on anybody, let alone Conor McGregor, in like a roast battle or a debate or a war of words or, or on, you know, look, at some point in time, Fox is going to get tired of Skip Bayless um, ESPN is going to get tired of Stephen A. Smith. Uh, put him on a show like that. I would seriously pay top dollar to see Chael Sonnen go back and forth with anybody, whether it's Conor McGregor or you name it, because the dude has the gift of gab. He's a smart guy, and he'll hurt your feelings. As long as he's dragging Conor McGregor through the mud, I'm all in for it. But I'm not going to go all fanboy out here like you just. I would listen to him. I, I'm do, oh, oh, you oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I just can't stand. I, I for almost it. mf'd you, just so you know. I'm like, I cannot listen to that. I cannot stand for it because it's. Chael Sutton. Are you right that I lied? Yes, I did. Are you right that I was wrong? Yes, I did. But American Gangster, I'm right. What would you rather he continue to deny it when we all know the truth? <laughs> the, the 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 taking steroids, all that. Would you would you prefer? Oh, I never did that. Oh, it was it was a bad test. Oh, they railroaded me. Uh, I should have hit under. Well, he has said he should have hit under the octagon to this gym. <laughs> anywho, any you get the point. I, look. I'm not telling you he's necessarily a great human being. I'm not telling you he should be the MMA humanitarian of the year. I'm just telling you that in a war of words, can you name five people better than him? More entertaining than him? 
I really don't listen to these talking head types that you would put into that context. I know I'm striving to be there, but I am not at the annoying level of a Brendan Schaub, an Ariel Hawani, a Chow Sutton, any of these chokelickers that are supposedly whoa, the mainstream whoa, whoa. MMA. Whoa! Oh, come on. Chokelickers? They are pondering to the lowest common denominator. It's not like they're out here Luke Thomasing, breaking down the most refined yeah. techniques there yeah. are in MMA and trying to actually talk about the sport. They are all chasing tabloid well, look, headlines. Okay, look, everybody can't be... And I'm not knocking it. Let me be clear. Everybody can't be Mr. I'm going to break this down, break that down. But there like, are more like, guys right. you, you, you stay in your dude. lane. No, you stay in, in your lane. Chael's lane is being entertaining. And again, like I said, look, I don't want to see the guy fight again. I don't want to see any of that. I did not fanboy out on him, but I would pay good money to watch him in a war of words. With, with, just sit there and debate Connor for, for 30 minutes. This is my point. Now, yeah. He is not denied taking steroids. No, he's the guy that'll sit there and be like, "These dirty cheat steroid users need to be kicked off of the MMA circuit. They need to never fight again." Didn't and he get kicked off or suspended? He will throw all that at them, and then they'd be like, "Well, Chow, would you take another fight?" Well, right away, yes, I did, and you should still be allowed to fight. Well, I should be allowed to make any money. He will throw stones that he would not throw at himself, and he is very boisterous about it. That is my thing with Chow Sutton. You will prove to him that he's wrong and he'll be like yes i am wrong let's just keep going though because i'm right why because my sponsors like me and i keep getting money so i'm right yes what's wrong with that i don't like his <laughs> stick and i would not put up to see it I, it's why i don't watch skip bayless the guys that are continually wrong lose value to me <sighs> i i don't know that i would put chael's record up against skip bayless's record though i i think Chael is right a lot. Look, is he perfect this year? No, of course not. But that's part of the charm for, for those. Look, I, I agree with you. I, look, I'm not going to sit here and defend Chael Sonnen, the human, or, or, or any of that. But I'm just telling you, when he talks, he's entertaining. To some people, yes. There are a lot of people that are entertaining to other people. Yes, yes. Um, Jimmy Smith was entertaining. Jimmy Smith is entertaining. Um Man, there are so many pondering out there talking heads that are doing MMA podcasts. There are a lot of entertaining people and unentertaining people does, out there. Does Jimmy Smith still do a MMA podcast? Yes. Now, now that he's uh, yeah, working he's for WWE? Yeah. Right. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I cannot believe the hate you have for Chael Sonnen. It's like I... You want me to go, okay, Alex no. Rodriguez, I don't watch baseball broadcast anytime I see Alex Rodriguez. The piece of shit cheated and he needs to be gone from the sport. Okay? He doesn't deserve to be a millionaire broadcaster after dragging the sport through the mud. Same thing for Chow Sutton. Thank God he didn't beat Anderson Silva so we didn't have to strip another guy like we did Josh Barnett. Oh, and there it is. Silly me. Silly me. I forgot. Josh Barnett tainted no, the no, whole no. sport because no, no, not, he was the that. first champion to test positive for steroids. We blackballed him, threw him out of the sport, but then a guy like Chow Sutton does the same and gets to put, be put on a pedestal because he lost the title there's, fight instead of winning it. There's the hatred for Chael Sonnen. You lashed out at me, called me a Chael fanboy because he almost beat your boy, Anderson Silva. That's the hatred. I get it now. Yes, I hate a guy that almost stole the world title when he was hopped up on juice that he had to be suspended for afterwards. Ah, yes. Uh, help me out. My memory's a little foggy here, but 
Didn't your boy Anderson get popped? Am After I wrong? After Chow did, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anderson did pop too. He's I'm a kidding. yeah. No, this is why you shouldn't have heroes that are sports athletes. Oh, I agree with you on that. You really don't know with who's you. dirty and well, who's cheating. And not just that. You don't know who's really not that good of a person off the field, out of the cage, out of the ring. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. If you're gonna have heroes in anything, don't ever meet them because you know, you know the old saying that never meet your heroes. That there's a reason for that. Sometimes it works out, most times it will not. And it was after and with Chow Sonny, it went after the testing positive for the steroids, after trying to, you know, just inflame Brazilians for no reason to sell the fight. It was then also the white collar crimes and being very proud about his business savvy that it is really showing himself to me to be a low character person who's a good salesman. This did not go the way I thought it was going to. I just assume you would direct most of your venom towards Conor McGregor in this well, subject. Is pathetic but enough we just around pushed... in the dark in front of his TV. Like I'm trying to get my steps in before the main event happens. That dude is off there on the whiskey on his own shit. We just totally pushed Conor aside and, and you just went. And to be fair, I, I, maybe I put him on a bit of a pedestal and you felt the need to balance it out, but you just totally shat all over shell Sonnen. Yeah, you put him on a pedestal, dude. I had to knock that dude back down to earth. Oh, my goodness. Don't be I love hater, him Micah. on Submission Underground. He talks shit about his fighters. He goes out there, does some commentary. They do their work. That seems to be the best place for him. You're going to have to let me know about your uh, review of, what is it, Sonnen and Sedano? Because I've never turned I, that crap on. I, I, I haven't either. But I, I just watching him, listening to him in general... He's entertaining. I look, I didn't say he was right on everything. I oh just, no, I'm I, sure he's on in boardrooms everywhere because yeah. he's got that same mentality as certain people of that echelon, and I'm sure they love him. I'm sure at cocktail hour, man, he is a sleazy star of the of the country club. Jesus Christ, Micah, but before we wrap up, anybody else you want to rip on and, and poop all over? Man, bare knuckle boxing was in Miami also. Uh well. Yeah. Dude, Lorenzo Hunt, you love pro wrestling. I don't know if you've ever seen a heel move like this. He didn't just go Conor McGregor and steal the belt at the press conference. He flipped over one table, grabbed the belt, and smashed it on his table before walking off with it. It's my belt. He won a decision and actually is the BKFC champion after beating Hector Lumbar. And Pearl Gonzalez has announced she's retiring from the sport after her second bare-knuckle fight. Just She had a lot of fun there and gone. I don't know if I trashed anybody there, but, you know, bare knuckle seems to bring out a, a certain look on your face. <laughs> Tell everybody, Micah, how they can keep up with you, man. I don't think I'm going to do that today. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, you are. Yes, you are. At, at Frankel Micah, at CageMinds.com, or at CageMindsMMA on Twitter. I'll do it if you don't. His website, CageMindsMMA.com. Uh, his Instagram similar to that, but slightly different. It's just, just Micah Frankel. There you go. There you go. Oh, bring it to me. You can get the show on Twitter and remember Micah Frankel is the one you want to direct your, your hatred to, uh, on Twitter. You can get us, uh, at MMA after hours. You can get me at real Mike Carlisle. The, uh, email is MMA after hours at gmail.com. We're out of time. We will talk to you next week on another edition of MMA After Hours here on the After Hours Podcast Network. Love combat sports? 
I have a website for you, cageminds.com. That's C-A-G-E-D-M-I-N-D-S.com. Fight news from around the world, in-depth interviews, live event coverage, covering combat sports for over a decade, established in April 2011. That's cageminds.com.